Greetings in our Lord Jesus Christ, and welcome to the audio ministry of Christ Church of Livingston County. The following are three excerpts from a Covenant Renewal Worship Service led by Pastor Dirk DeWinkle, teaching elder at Christ Church. We trust you will be edified and ministered to by the Holy Spirit through this audio recording. this morning comes from Proverbs chapter 21 verse 14. A gift in secret pacifies anger and a bribe behind the back, strong wrath. This is a statement of fact. Wrath and anger can be appeased by secret or unobserved gifts. That said, The proverb makes no moral judgment about the practice. It may be wicked and wrong, as when an offending party is trying to escape justice and and has the wherewithal to buy a whistleblower off. Or it may be true and right, as when the offender recognizes and repents of a fault and decides to settle out of court, as it were. Usually it's more complicated than that, and only one of the parties may be in the right while the other is in the wrong, or both parties are partially right or partially wrong. The proverb merely instructs the wise man to be aware of how it works. And he must know this because we live in a fallen world. So we encounter situations where people are angered and wrath is stirred. Even if it is unjust, a wise man may be willing to pay a bribe as a means of getting by within an established system. This is literally evident in places where corruption runs rampant in government or policing bodies, like in certain parts of Africa or Russia or Mexico, or even in inner cities in the U.S. In a more surreptitious way, It rears its head in larger and more complex systems, like governments or the court system. Call it bureaucracy or red tape or what you will. And unfortunately, wicked systems turn a blind eye and have no mercy when it comes to those who refuse to pay on the principle of the matter. The simple will fight the losing battle and will suffer the consequences, but the wise learn to overcome evil with good. We're never commanded to refuse to pay unjust fines or unjust taxes, but we are commanded to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. We're not commanded to belligerently demand our rights to to be maintained, but we are commanded to give our shirt along with our coat and to go the second mile with those who take advantage of us, to count it all joy when we suffer for righteousness' sake. Generosity and humility are commended, and our God, who sees in secret, will reward openly. But we can only accept this with the eyes of faith. This reminds us of our need to confess our sins. So if you're willing and able, please kneel as I pray. gospel is a fire. Jesus came 
to set the world on fire. His ministry started in Galilee and migrated to Jerusalem, and from there, his fire went out into the world. Luke, the author of the books of Luke and Acts, told us that his purpose was to give an accurate rendition, or in his words, an orderly account, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. And the book of Acts is about the growth of the kingdom of God and what Jesus continued both to do and to teach. But Jesus told us back in the book of Luke how the nature of his work was not as the disciples originally suspected. He says, I have come to bring a fire, to set the world on fire. He says, I come to bring a sword. I come to bring division. He came to set the world on fire, but he had first a baptism which he must have before that could happen. He, he needed to go to the cross in order for the gospel to be proclaimed. He needed to pay the price for our sins so that the apostles could go out and set fire to the world by proclaiming Jesus dead and resurrected and the free forgiveness of sins in him. So Jesus comes to bring division, and the story of Acts is a story of conflict and division and epic struggles. But the kingdom of God is the only peace that is available to men. The gospel is a message of reconciliation with God, between God and men. And it has the seeds of peace between man and his brother. By the gospel, we are given the ability to fulfill the two great commandments, to love God and then love our brother. But the spreading of the gospel creates division whenever it encounters sin. And sometimes it happens within the walls of the covenant community, within the walls of the baptized, of the church. Remember the Hellenist widows had complaints against the Hebrews. And they brought their complaints to the apostles. Similarly, the Judaizers and the Gentiles needed mediation in order to accomplish God's plan in the church. And today we're going to see that division even reaches to the heights of apostolic proportions in the separation of Barnabas and Paul. But we start where we left off, and that's at the end of the Jerusalem Council in Acts 15. The debate had ended. The apostles and the elders had agreed to send a letter to the churches abroad, instructing them in the things necessary and encouraging them in their faith. But they also decided to send out ambassadors with the letter, ambassadors from Jerusalem, along with Paul and Barnabas. And they were delegates from Jerusalem to Antioch. And their job was to affirm the message that circumcision was not necessary for salvation. They were bringing encouragement and peace. That was their mission. And, and in fact, it wasn't just that circumcision was not necessary for salvation, but that living in community was necessary for salvation. They were to forego things offered to idols and strangled and blood and sexual immorality, because those things would break community. 
And our text today picks up with this delegation arriving in Antioch. Acts 15, verses 30 to 32. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas themselves, being prophets also, exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. So the first thing we see here is the obedience of the delegation. Remember, Paul and Barnabas were ambassadors from Antioch to Jerusalem for the purpose of of solving the dispute between whether the Gentiles needed to be circumcised or not. And... And after that dispute was solved, they decided to send Paul and Barnabas back along with representatives, Judas and Silas are mentioned by name, from Jerusalem to bring this, this letter and to proclaim that it was in accord with the, met, with the decision of, of the council in Jerusalem. So the first thing we see is when they get to Antioch is they obey their mission. They gather together the church and they deliver the letter, and it's quickly followed by the report of how it was received. Verse 31. When they read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. And this is a glorious thing. These faithful saints had sent Paul and Barnabas out to resolve the serious dispute. It, it was no lesser of a question than whether they had been already saved or not. Whether their hope was fulfilled and completed, or whether... They had more to do in order to know God and be in fellowship with Him. And this letter was a tremendous encouragement. Paul and Barnabas were vindicated in their gospel. The gospel that they had gone out and preached on their missionary trips, and and that that they had preached prior to their missionary trips in Antioch, and they preached when they got back to Antioch. The gospel that Jesus brings the free forgiveness of sins to men. Jew and Gentile, you need only believe and accept the free forgiveness and then obey. So they're vindicated. And the next thing we see is that the representatives from Jerusalem are themselves prophets, Judas and Silas. And they encouraged and strengthened the the brethren beyond the mere words of the letter. The letter was great. It was an accurate depiction of what had happened in Jerusalem. But... They invested more than just paper and pen. They invested themselves. They they made this trip of 250 miles to go and communicate what their people had said in person. They established relationships. They ministered in person. In fact, in the next few verses, we see that Silas decides to remain with the church in Antioch. And these verses show some of the inner workings among the apostles. Verses 33 to 36. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. In verse 33, the delegates from Jerusalem were sent back to Jerusalem. 
They were sent back home. They had accomplished their mission. They had gone to Antioch. They had, they had delivered the, the, the decision of the council. Um, and this is a glorious closure to the whole debacle with the former men who were from Judea, who had originated the dispute. So they, we have men from Judea coming twice. The first time bringing discord, and after the problem is solved back in Jerusalem, men from Judea come and they bring peace. This is a glorious closure. And moreover, Silas stays behind with Paul and Barnabas, teaching and preaching with many others the word of the Lord. And notice here how single-minded Paul and Barnabas have been through all of this. They've never stopped teaching and preaching. These are men who are filled with the Holy Spirit. They are men on a mission. They are missionaries. They were missionaries in Cyprus. They were missionaries in Turkey. And on the way back, they were missionaries. They preached and witnessed after they were in Antioch. They preached and witnessed when they left Antioch to go to Jerusalem. They preached and witnessed in Syria and Samaria. And then, on the, and then when they got to Jerusalem, they ministered and they witnessed. They preached and they teached. And now they come back home to their home church and they continue preaching and teaching. They are on a mission from God. And as Paul says elsewhere, he is resolved to know nothing and communicate nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And that message is applied no matter where he finds himself. It doesn't matter if he's within the walls of the church. It doesn't matter if he's, he's in front of... In, in front of Governors, and, and, or if he's in front of the Jews, or if he's in front of opposers or believers. He's going to preach Jesus Christ and him crucified. And it's tied with a deep and a heartfelt concern for the people that he's preaching Jesus to. He loves his brother. He loves him so much that he was willing to sacrifice on their behalf. While they were yet sinners, Christ died for them. While Paul was yet sinning, Christ died for him. And Paul knows this so intimately and so deeply that he's going to communicate that love to everyone and everywhere every time he gets a chance. And so he's got this deep and heartfelt yearning for the young converts they'd left on their last missionary journey. So Paul suggests to Barnabas that they return to every city where they had preached just to see how they were doing. He says, let us now, this is his words, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Verse 36. These men had a heart and a love for the Lord and his people. That said... Life in the church, even among the apostles Barnabas and Paul, was not perfect. It was not as blissful as people sometimes tend to suppose. The apostles were men. And though they were holy and they were saved and set apart, they still dealt with sin in their lives. And this means that sometimes they had disagreements too. This becomes very evident in the next verses with the division over John Mark, verses 37 to 40.
Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commanded by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. There have been many conjectures as to what was going on here with Paul and Barnabas. It's, it's interesting to read the commentaries on this section of scripture. It's likely that there was some amount of prejudice on both sides. Barnabas was John Mark's uncle, related by family. Paul was disappointed that John Mark had left the first missionary journey when they hadn't been gone very long. Remember, they had left Antioch. The first stop they made was in Cyprus. They traveled all the way to the other end of Cyprus, which wasn't a small journey. It was 80 miles across the island. But, but, but after Cyprus, John Mark traveled with them north to Turkey, but then departed to go back to Antioch, or back to Jerusalem. And so Paul wasn't very pleased with John Mark having left to them the first time he joined them. Moreover, in the light of the recent Jerusalem Council, with the background of the incident in Galatians, so uh, let me explain that a little bit. The, the Jerusalem Council was about Judaism, or the Judaizers, and requiring more of the Gentiles than what Jesus required of the Gentiles. But John Mark was a Jew, and he was a Jew from Jerusalem. He was a native, and he was he was a grown-up Hebrew with the Hebrews. Uh, in fact, he he he's known. Uh, we know him from history as as Peter's scribe. He he was he was, he was good friends with Peter, and, and we saw back in in uh, chapter ten when Peter uh, was was being persecuted, and he left the jail. He went to John Mark's mother's house. And so there, Peter was intimately connected with John Mark's family. And, and Peter, again, was the apostle to the Jews. And, and so um, John Mark was, was closely tied to the, Jew, to the Jewish people. And Paul may not have trusted his commitment to, the, to, to his side of the issue of accepting Gentiles completely. Uh, part of that, that may have been part of why he left. Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey after Cyprus, because Cyprus is the first time where the gospel went straight to the, the Gentiles and bypassed the Jews. And so, so that was a lot for the church, to, for the, especially the Jews in the church, to swallow. It was difficult. Remember how hard it was for Peter to, to be brought to the point where he could bring the gospel to Cornelius. It was, it was definitely God's work. And that's, and that's where the church lands. And it has to land there because God is doing this work. It still doesn't make it automatically easy for the people that are having to go through this growth curve. So the first thing is that they, you know, Barnabas and, and Paul had their own natural tendencies because of their, their uh, prejudices. Another aspect is that their personalities differed. Barnabas was known as the son of encouragement. He, he was 
he was a he was a good man. He was filled with the Spirit, and he he was he was the one who had allowed Paul into the church, introduced Paul to the apostles because everybody else was afraid of Paul because Paul had been persecuting the church. And, and Barnabas remains consistent in that encouragement here when he goes and he accepts John Mark back with open arms and says, no, come with us. He's, he's voicing a desire to go with them. And, and Barnabas is welcoming back with op- opening arms. And Paul, as we know, was a spitfire. Paul, was, Paul creates division wherever he goes because <laughs> he desires to know nothing but Jesus. And Jesus crucified, and that, and that confronts sin. And Paul is not afraid of confrontation. That is, that is not Paul's weakness. So Barnabas was nurturing, and Paul was exacting. Paul demanded a lot. But nonetheless, there was some element of sin on probably both their parts, and that the contention became as sharp as it did. It takes two to tango. It, it takes two to tangle. It's, it's difficult to have a fight when one, fi- one party won't fight. And this was a fight. So the, both of them must accept some responsibility of what's going on here. And so we see division between the apostles, and they split. They go, they go, they go different directions. And all that said, God continued to use it to further the course of the gospel. This occurrence, this fight, didn't stop God's work, even though it was among the apostles, Barnabas and Paul. Instead, it it occasioned the sending out of two missionary pairs. Barnabas took John Mark, and Paul took Silas. And they each went their own ways. And interestingly, God called them to their hometowns. Barnabas was from Cyprus. He was a, we were introduced to Barnabas back in chapter 4, right when the gospel was first proclaimed at Pentecost, as a Levite from Cyprus, known as the son of encouragement, who gave his goods to the church. He laid his possessions down at the feet of the apostles. He comes highly, highly venerated, highly recommended. But he was from Cyprus. So he goes back to Cyprus and visits the brethren, just as Paul had suggested, to encourage them and to see how they're doing in Cyprus. And Paul was from Tarsus, which was a city of Cilicia, and and Paul goes by land and he goes north up through Syria and Cilicia. And and so he goes to to his hometown. In fact, after Paul had been saved, remember he had gone to Jerusalem and he kind of, the Hellenists were trying to kill him, so the, 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 the church in Jerusalem said, you need to get out of here, you're causing too much problems. So they sent him back home, where he had to cool his jets for ten years. And that's Tarsus. That's where he went. And so he's going back to where he's from. And Paul was still continuing to carry out the mission that he and Barnabas and Silas had been sent on from the Jerusalem church. Because when, when the Jerusalem church sent the delegation out. They sent them to the churches in Antioch and in Syria and Cilicia. And, uh, and so Paul, so Paul goes north, and Cyprus goes goes west. I mean, Paul goes north, and, and Barnabas goes west. And uh, and then there's another thing to know that 
in how this did not dis- destroy the progress of the gospel is that, that we, we know from history that Paul was certainly reconciled with Barnabas and with John Mark down the road. In fact, Paul references them by name in his later epistles. And so it seems that time justified Barnabas in this dispute. But despite the dispute, God didn't stop, that didn't, the dispute did not stop God from using all of the interested parties in the meantime. He used Paul and Barnabas, both. He used John Mark and Silas. And he used, and he used them where he wanted them and where he needed them. And he's, and he's doing work in the world by them. And this brings us to some application. And the first thing that we, we, we have to draw out here is that the early church was no heaven on earth. There have been movements within the church that have thought that what we need and what we should be striving for is to going back to the way things were when the, when the apostles were running the church. They say the church died after the apostolic era and it was revived at the Reformation. And, and, there, but there's, and there are several problems with this hypothesis, though. And the first is evident right here in our text. It's because, and it's evident in many other portions of the New Testament, that the early church had all sorts of problems. It was full of sinners. They were all sinners who had been called to faith. But here in our text we see that even among the apostles there was dispute. I mentioned the, uh, the incident in Galatians. That, that was, remember that? That's when, when Peter had gone up to Antioch and, and he had refused to eat with the Gentiles. And, and even Barnabas had been led, away, led astray by that. That incident occurred before the Jerusalem Council. And Paul, even there, was standing up for the Gentiles and demanding table fellowship for the Gentiles. And he, and he called Peter and Barnabas to account for it. He stood up to them. He's not afraid of dispute. But there is, there is there, things were not perfect in the apostolic church. In fact, if you look at the subject matter of many of the books in the, in the New Testament, there's some gross sin that was going on in many of the churches in the New Testament. The second reason that hypothesis should be avoided is because it's actually a matter of great debate what the early church actually looked like, practically and specifically. So it becomes a really fuzzy target of what you're aiming at. So basically it becomes, well, I think it was this and I think it was this. So basically we each get to do whatever we want to do. But the third reason is because the Lord has given us much revelation in history. The, church, the kingdom of God is growing. Jesus came to set a fire, and as that fire spreads, it grows. And what we see over the course of history is the growth of the church. And we see the church encountering problems and dealing with them. We should no longer have to debate whether Gentiles need to be circumcised in order to be saved. It's a non-issue but it's only a non-issue because the church dealt with it at the Jerusalem Council. Similarly, 
We, we shouldn't have to debate whether Jesus Christ was man filled with the Spirit of God or if he was God in a man suit. Because those things were debated and determined at the Council of Nicaea. Jesus was God and man, both completely. And it's, it's a mystery, but we can't deny either. But if we want to go back to the apostolic church, move forward 300 years, and we're going to be trying to debate that same question again. Because if we refuse to learn our history, we're doomed to repeat it. So the early church was not heaven on earth. It was the start of heaven on earth. It was God's kingdom invading in a pagan world. It was the seeds of the church. But we are the church. And so if we want to grow, we must develop and learn and learn from our past and embrace our past. We need to embrace Paul and Barnabas. We need to embrace the Jerusalem Council. We need to embrace the Council of Nicaea. Because they're revelation. They're light. They're truth for us. So let's not go backwards. Let's move forward. The next thing we have to do here is that we have, for applications, we have much to learn about the gospel and division. Some division is unacceptable. A house divided against itself cannot stand. The false teaching of the Judaizers is unacceptable. Paul is right to stand his ground against it. The division was horrific in his mind. Because Jesus brought both the Gentiles and the Jews to the same table, and they must recognize Christ in each other. That's Paul's mission, to, 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 to see and to communicate nothing but Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And he saw Jesus in the Gentiles, and he saw Jesus in the Jews. And he said, because Jesus is in both of you, the same Spirit is in both of you, you must eat at the same table. You may not break fellowship because of this. So that division was dealt with in Jerusalem. And we know that it was dealt with because the recipients of the letter rejoiced over its encouragement. They were drawn back into the fold with open arms and they danced. In this, we learn that we are called to seek unity and peace within the church. Especially when it comes to recognizing God's work in the lives of those who are different from us. But notice that in order to get unity and peace within the church, Paul had to dispute members of the church. We must look to Jesus. He is the dividing line. We can't just accept any and all doctrine as gospel truth. Because some doctrine is heresy. We must reject that because we love the truth. So division is unacceptable and, and division is necessary. 
Division still happens in the covenant community. Division still happens in the church. But that's okay. We don't need to freak out just because there's a dispute. That's part of living in a fallen world. But the glory of the gospel is that God works with fallen sinners. With God works with fallen vessels. He's bigger than that. His love envelops us all. God is the one writing this story, and He uses personalities and divisions to accomplish His purposes. In fact, it's important to remember that this is a story. God is telling a story. And that means that there is a need for tension and release. There's a narrative arc. And none of us have arrived. No one has arrived. Nobody is perfect except for Jesus Christ. And that's why we look to Him for all the answers. It's through the sufferings and the hardships of life that we grow and learn. It's through the divisions that we learn to see clearly. It's through those things that we gain wisdom. Because we are sinners and we definitely are not completely right all the time. We wear sin-colored glasses. Our vision is tainted. Sometimes we're short-sighted. Sometimes we're far-sighted. This story is a comfort to us also in that even apostles were capable of falling short of the mark. I mean, how hard would it be for us if every person in the Bible was perfect and everybody's experience outside of the Bible is imperfect? That's not what God is calling us to become perfect. But we do that through death. And even death is a division. We do that from dying to ourselves. And just because things aren't perfect already, we need not lose hope. Because even the apostles were capable of falling short. And it didn't mean that they were failures. God still used them and used them mightily. And the important thing is that they were acting according to faith. They were not violating their consciences. Both Paul and Barnabas were seeking to do God's will. They just differed on what that was. They both believed that their own preference was best. And they were willing to even separate to stand on that principle. They had been ministering together for years. About 11 years by this point. And they'd known each other for, for I think it was close to 18 years now. And, and they'd been close this whole time. But their division was sharp. And they were willing to separate based on their principles and, to, and in their willingness to serve Christ. But even though it was sharp, and even though they separate, because they are believers, they are not irreconcilable. 
Their paths parted, but not permanently. And there's peace in being willing to let go and let God work, despite the pain that comes with that. Sometimes you just do what you think is the right thing and trust God to work out the details. And it may not look like what you thought it was going to look like. But there's peace there because you're trusting God in faith. In all of this, God is spreading the fire of the gospel. He's preparing and he's pruning Paul and Barnabas and John Mark and Silas. And likewise, we can trust him to work in our lives the same way. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, let us pray. Because he is the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega. He is glorious and wonderful, and his story is beyond our comprehension, because we are living in it. But we are not left without a beacon of hope and a revelation of the purpose of it all. God gives us his word to instruct us in the way of truth. He gives us himself in our Lord and in this meal. And he pours himself into us by his spirit. He showed us what he is willing to do for us. And that he loved us enough to die for us and to pay the penalty for our sins. He bore them so we may be free to become one with him. That revelation gives us the power to live victoriously in this life over sin. We are God's, and his plans for us are good, and his love for us is eternal, and it bears the fruit of life in our souls. Take, eat, and drink with a thankful heart for the salvation of our God. The body of Christ, broken for us. Thank you for listening to these excerpts from the worship service of Christ Church of Livingston County. If you would like further information about anything in these messages, the Bible, about Christ Church of Livingston County, or wish to make any other related inquiry, please feel free to contact Pastor Dirk DeWinkle through our website, ChristKirkMI.com. That's C-H-R-I-S-T-K-I-R-K-M-I.com. Again, thank you and blessings.